You gotta wonder why we're so attracted to the extremes. It seems there's extreme everything nowadays. People are jumping off of cliffs with bodysuits on and little wings on them. Um, people are doing backflips with bicycles and motorcycles. There's all these things that are extreme stuff, and it's really popular. People love to watch it and they love to hear about it. And I think what the extremes do is they show us the possibilities. It's not that you want to go there. It's not that you necessarily want to do it. But maybe it shows you that there's there's no ceiling. And today, I think we have one of those extremes, somebody who lives on the road. I'm not talking about a long trip, but they're living on the road permanently. And yeah, it's one of those extremes. But it's one of those extremes that shows the possibilities and shows that, well, the world really is your oyster and you can live any way you want to. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Hi, I'm Sam Manicum. This is Nick Sanders. I'm Terry Borden. I'm Sandy Borden. I'm Jack Borden. I'm Graham Field. My name is Austin Vince. I'm Jason Spafford. And I'm Lisa Morris. Hi, I'm David Peterson. I'm Rachel. This is Ed March. This is Glenn Hegstead. This is Ted Simon. Um, I'm on Adventure Rider Radio. I'm very happy to be here. I'm at jupitalia.com and uh, I wrote... Jupiter's Travels. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter too at maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, for that matter, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system, and it can inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, and get this, it has a lifetime warranty, which is brand new. Best Rest also makes tire changing and tire repair kits that are small enough to fit in your saddlebag, and the crew at Best Rest are adventure riders themselves. They know what you need when you're exploring the world visit them at cyclepump.com that's cyclepump.com perhaps her name says it all but when you hear michelle hope speak it really instills in us the possibilities of throwing caution to the wind and choosing to live our life to the fullest and that may be different for everyone, but for Michelle, who had done the nine-to-five job and raised her kids, it meant living like a gypsy, living on the road from her motorcycle. When Michelle met Scooter Tramp Scotty, who we had on this show a couple episodes ago, he'd been traveling on his bike for a decade at that point. She was inspired by his way of life, and she made the decision right then to buy a bike, and learn to ride, and get out on the road. Since 2006, Michelle Hope has been living off of her motorcycle, only stopping for a, a stint of two years to go to school for massage therapy. And since February 2015, Michelle says she's been making what she calls a viable drifter income by doing spiritual healing massage work on the road. She travels with her companion, Tulane, who sits on her gas tank, and the road is the only home Michelle knows, and the only home she wants to know for as long as she can. Before I decided to hit the road on a motorcycle, I was working in corporate America in New York City. Thought I had found my dream job. I moved from California to New York and I thought, this is it, this is the job I've dreamed of. But I ended up in therapy actually. <laughs> the last um, year I worked there because corporate America was not the place that I belonged. 
I uh, got laid off and um, I met a lady there while I was there who had written some children's books. So I got laid off and then I got with her and I started illustrating some children's books. And I moved out of my place and I packed my little corporate car, which had high payments on it. I wasn't going to be able to keep it for long. Headed back to California from New York. And then I met this guy who had been living on his bike for like 11 years at the time. He goes by the pen name Scooter Tramp Scotty. He writes for several magazines. I met him at a park in San Diego. And, and I just sat down, I had a little dog with me and I just sat down and started talking to him. And it was a very interesting conversation and it was different from any other conversation I had. And I was looking for a different lifestyle. When he set out, he wanted to make it a lifestyle that he could um, live comfortably with because he didn't want to have to run home to a place or have a home base. So he successfully created this lifestyle um, of comfort and ease while traveling on a motorcycle all over the country. And he's fashioned a lifestyle that um, offers a lot of freedom and a lot of um, meeting different people. So there's a lot of growth involved. Um, he's, he's a pretty amazing human being, really. He was going to this thing and invited me to go. And I went to Colorado to a rainbow gathering, you know, and he just had the answers that I was looking for, I guess. I met him at the right time. I still drove my car a while. I didn't have any other transportation, and I didn't. Re and I really wanted to be independent. I didn't want to jump on the back of his motorcycle and be, you know, subject to his comings and goings. So um, I kept my car for a few months. I earned some money at Sturges for a motorcycle, which is kind of a fun story. I got a job cracking beer. And I had a little tip jar, because mostly what the um, people make at Sturgis's tips. And so I had a little tip jar that said motorcycle fun, because now I'm gonna get me a motorcycle. And these guys from Louisiana said, if you had big tips, I bet you'd get a Harley Davidson. And I'm like, well. So I changed the name from motorcycle fun. I scratched that out and put breast enlargement fund. Then I got a, um, enough money for this little Honda 700, 1985 Honda Shadow that I rode for five years and lived on and went to Mexico with and put close to 100,000 miles on it. I had to sell a Macintosh computer and a printer and all this stuff I had for illustrating those books. And um, I had to like, you know, Scotty helped me a lot. We put a kid's backpack on the back. That's what I had at first for the tea bags, I guess they're called, or the trunk or whatever. So I had this kid's backpack on the back and and um, we ordered some saddlebags and a, it was just, 
I just remember I had to get rid of a lot of stuff. I'd already gotten rid of a bunch of stuff. I guess the clothes, like for me, clothes is always an issue on a motorcycle because I'm female and I want different outfits and I want dresses and I want jeans and I want war, you know? So like getting rid of a lot of the clothes was probably the biggest issue. And then learning how to eat, how to eat on, well, how to eat on the road on a motorcycle because we don't carry things to cook with. And Scotty taught me, you know, and I'm doing everything his way. And so I'm, you know, you stop at McDonald's, you stop at Jack in the Box and you eat a certain way. And I just didn't feel good about it. Yeah. Eating on the road is, you don't want to eat out all the time. For one, it's expensive. For two, I'm kind of a health nut and I, and it's really important to me what I put in my body. So that was, I guess my biggest challenge was how to eat, how to earn money. It seemed like the thing to do it seemed like a cheaper way to get around and um and a, and a good way to get rid of material objects and and let go of some consumerist materialism that I felt like I wanted to do and um when we went from Kansas to Louisiana and we went to um New Orleans and I, I couldn't handle New Orleans it was a year after Katrina and there was mold and there was a lot of, like, it was just, I just didn't like it. So when I fell in love with motorcycle travel was going, I went by myself from um, New Orleans to a small town in South Carolina. And it was in autumn. All of the leaves were red and orange and yellow. And I just realized at that time, I'm almost going to cry, that it was like live. If I would have driven that in a car, it would have been like watching TV. But I was riding through it and the smells and the sights and I was in it and it was alive. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. This is it. And so I actually lived um, on my bike a few years before I got another dog, and that's Tulane. And he's been the perfect companion. He was he was born for it. <laughs> I found him in New Hampshire, and I, he's not a rescue, unfortunately. He's a um, I got him in a pet store because I was looking for a specific dog that could ride on a motorcycle and handle the lifestyle. And I almost didn't get him. And he was in this little cage and I picked him up and I said, okay, I'll look at him because none of the other ones were going to work. And so I picked him up and I put him in the cage. He just took a toy and went under the chair. Like he was like indifferent. And I thought, well, I bet, you know, this might be good. So, and he was the only one. So I got him and I was still on my Honda and I had to go get a ferret bag for him because they wouldn't let me just take him out. And that was good. And as soon as I started that bike up and I started to take off, he put his head up once and that was it. He never cared ever about riding the motorcycle, ever. He was four months old. It was um, right after the New Hampshire rally, Laconia. 
And I was um, camped in a person's yard there, but I was leaving the next day. So I'm packing my stuff and I'd go in the house and he would run and, and sit under this chair that I had by my tent. And then I'd come out and I'd pack, I'd go in the house and he'd run and sit by the chair. Well, I got all of the whole bike packed up and I told him, I said, dude, here's how it goes. The bike's the same. I'm the same. The bed's the same. The ground changes. And so I, I got everything on my bike and I went in the house and I came out and now he's not sitting where the tent used to be. He's sitting over at the bike. You know, so I, he just had this natural intelligence about what we're doing. He's very intuitive. He, he always knew just to sit on the motorcycle and wait for me. He'll stay there for hours. If I, go, if I have to go in and do something or, or go to a movie or whatever, he'll, he'll sit on the bike for hours. It changed my life to have a dog because... Because things got a little more complicated. It wasn't as free. It's not as free and easy. You know, I can't take him into a bar to go listen to music because it'll hurt his ears. And I don't want to leave him out on the bike to the wee hours, you know. So, I mean, it, it totally changed my life. He sits in front of me. He, I, have a, um, I actually have this little um, pouch that he sits in. So he's attached to me, which is good because he's been blown off a couple times in Florida. The wind blew sideways. It just dangled there for a minute on the side of the bike. And, and, and then we looked at each other, you know, but he didn't seem to mind. You know? <laughs> I just picked him back up. One time I had to slam on my brakes for a deer and he, and, he, and he fell off too. He just dangles. He's attached to me. And so he fell off. And I had to look at it and said, dude, I'm stopping for the deer first, you know, before I pick you up. So he had to be there for a couple seconds longer. But he just takes everything in pretty much in stride. The ways he changed my life was, um, well, now I'm responsible for another being, and I have to feed it and, um, and myself. And now I have to, it, it brought in some concern, camping in the wilderness, camping in the desert with coyotes, you know. So it brought in a little concern for another creature, you know. That I'm responsible to take care of. Um, one way, good way, though, he's a real good icebreaker. And so I'm traveling, my bike's packed up, my dog's on the tank, and people come up and talk to me. He's an icebreaker. Oh, you're a cute dog. And then we're, it's like instant, you know, communication. Um, he, even, he even riding on my tank and pulling into a Harley Davidson dealer in Georgia, some guy bought me a motorcycle, you know, because because it was an interesting sight, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, and just, at first it was how to go into a store and, you know, and then and then there's the concern I'm going to be in there and somebody might take him because he's just sitting on a motorcycle. Um, and especially in places like Ithaca, New York, I had an experience there where somebody was really mad at me for riding a dog on a motorcycle and they felt they knew what was better for him. So in a situation like that, you know, there's a concern if I'm in some place for too long, I start. So, like, mostly it added worry. <laughs> but, um, like, nothing's happened. He's still with me, and he's been in jail twice because we don't live a normal life. And he's been picked up once in New Mexico, once here in San Diego. And then I just have to go bail him out. So he's had a few experiences. He's had some adventures. If Tulane could talk, 
he could share adventures. He chases deer. When he chases deer, the grass is high and he runs just like him. He hops through the, through the grass. It's time for another motorcycle for me. And um, I'm here to try to make as much money as I can to put towards another motorcycle. So right now I'm doing massage for somebody with their clients. On the road, I do Thai massage. It's done on a mat, on the ground, and it's um, fully clothed. And it's, it's a really beautiful experience. It's um, really rhythmic compressions and, and assisted yoga poses and traction. And it's really, and then most Asian modalities that I know, Chinese, Japanese, and Thai, believe in those energy lines that run through the body. And so it's energetic work and it's physical work and it's very relaxing. It's a beautiful modality. The first time I had it, I said, I'm going to learn that. It's kind of hard when people don't know you and you're on a motorcycle. It's kind of hard to market that. Although I have met a few people on Facebook who are, one here in San Diego who I'm going to hook up with and she wants a massage. So, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. Massage is kind of a real um, intimate experience. And most people think of massage as like Swedish massage where you're on a table and you got a sheet over you and they uncover the part they're working and they, you know, spread oil and stuff like that. So the reason I choose a lifestyle on the road is um, there's a lot of freedom for me. I don't have a lot of bills that other people have, um, motorcycle maintenance, gas, you know, some entertainment, food. Um, and there's nothing like um, riding and looking for a spot to sleep that you know is going to be safe. It's kind of a sacred thing for me to know it's I'm going to be safe. Um, Scotty has taught me how to find a, a safe place and what to look for. And so I know so finding a place, pitching my tent, and crawling in there and not having anybody around. Mostly, sometimes there is. And just knowing that that earth there is providing me a say, you know, a, play, a safe place to sleep, and and it doesn't come with all of the the pressure of and need for security of let's say living in a city or a town or something where you got to lock your doors and I mean it's just. And, and it's a constant moving and fluctuation and constantly meeting new people and wonderful people all over the country, just amazing people with having great conversations and expanding my own mind and letting go of some of my own beliefs that really are outdated. It's just a really expansive thing and it's difficult at times and it's lonely at times, you know, and sometimes like I'm, 58 years old almost and sometimes I'm like oh my god this seems so hard you know but but I got to tell you the benefits far outweigh any of the challenges you know and sometimes this last year there was a challenge for money because I'm trying to work for vendors at motorcycle rallies less and do healing I'm an ordained minister so my ministry is a healing touch it's Thai massage which was done by 
by the monks in Thailand for only in the monasteries for generations and generations. They say it was brought by the Buddha's um, doctor. So, um, so anyway, you know, so I have this, this moda- this thing that I want to do. So I did less working for vendors last year. So it was a bit challenging, but, but whenever I got like really to the point of almost desperation, something came up and I noticed if I give one person a massage, they refer friends. And so I, I leave with a few hundred dollars. And if I stayed a little longer, I would probably leave with more. So like, it's just, and it's a challenge. Oh my gosh, it's such a challenge to make that work. And I can't think of a better challenge to follow your, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm like getting all emotional here. You know, to follow your heart and, your, and, and, and be faced with a challenge is something you totally believe in. There's no comparison. <laughs> you have to meet people and get acquainted really quickly. Tulane has um, pretty much minimized that. But So here's another challenge for me. On a motorcycle with a dog on the tank, I'm always out in the open. And people are always coming. And sometimes... I mean, sometimes that's a drain, <laughs> then follows loneliness. Sometimes it's just a lot to, to talk to a lot of different people at a lot of different levels. And then, um, and then I want to withdraw for a while, and then the loneliness sets in. So it's really, for me, I guess, learning a balance of that interaction with people and the, and the needing space to be um, on my own, too. And because... You know, but I've made friends, and once you start making friends, if you stay long enough, if I stay more than a couple days in a town, then I then the loneliness dissipates because then I start meeting people, and then I have some friends, and they're really great people. I mean, I meet some of the most awesome people. I just can't even explain it, you know, artists and people on their own journeys, um, people who live from their heart. I think sometimes people have a hard time wrapping their head around what I do. And then there's my perception of whether they're accepting me or not. But I just find in the South and the Midwest, people tend to be more open to saying, oh, that's, you know, to to people than, let's say, the cities. And, and, you know, so especially in California. You know what? I have a dog on the tank. You know, and I've had people offer me money and stuff, you know. So I think for the most part, people, I think, I, you know what I think? I think people have their own dreams. And some dreams are meant to be lived and some are meant to be dreamed. And the people whose dreams are meant to be dreamed are um, looking for people whose dreams are meant to be lived, <laughs> you know. Um, I think it's inspiring. Mostly when people talk to me, they come and talk about their adventures and their dreams. I think... It inspires people a lot. What do I miss in my old life is um, a refrigerator, (laughs) Um, maybe a stove. Well, I'm driving a friend's car right now in San Diego, and so when it's cold, I really enjoy the heater. (laughs) So, and you know what? I you know I miss being more with my family from my old life, but when I was in New York, I wasn't. 
I don't know what I miss from my old life. I don't miss the corporate jobs. I don't miss um, living inside. I don't need that. Um, I... I don't, I don't know what I miss. I, there's really not a whole lot. This, I feel, I feel like this is the life that I was meant to live. That there is no, I feel like my old life prepared me to do everything I needed to do to get to this place, to live this life. You know, I had to get fed up with corporate America. I had to get, um, I had to I had to get to a place where I wasn't willing to sell myself out to work so much so that I can afford to live in a city or a town, you know, of my preference, which was San Diego and New York, which both are kind of expensive. So I had to get to where I had to get to and be really open to now do something different. And as a kid, I had horses. I grew up in Alpine here in, in San Diego, up in the mountains before it was like a suburb. Now it's a suburb, but, or urban or whatever. Um, I used to, I used to dream of riding, of being out in the plains on my horse. I used to dream of back in the day when people traveled across the country on a horse, you know? So that was my, my, like I would go on my horse with my dogs and we would just take off for the day and find a place under the shade and kick back and, and dream, you know? And so to me, <laughs> riding a motorcycle instead of a horse is more practical and it fulfills this childhood dream that I was just meant to live. But when I'm riding my bike, I already said a little bit about TV versus live in Georgia smells wonderful in the springtime, right? But there's this um, there's this experience of this intuitive voice that when I'm riding, um, and when I'm riding from a ways, not when I'm riding around town so much, but when I'm riding a ways, you know, from maybe one town to the next, and maybe I found a small road and I'm cruising. Um, there's this intuitive voice, and I call it my guides. I don't know what it is that that is able to. I'm able to clearly hear. So, so I think sometimes these things that are very profound to me. And sometimes very private, because I notice when I share them, people look at me funny. It's almost like a communion with another dimension or source or God, if you will. And I just feel quiet. It's like meditation. I could hear my own heart, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. And I'm like, wow, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. There's the smells and the sights and the beautiful country we live in. But mostly there's just that meditative. And then there's the people, you know, there's the people driving by. Like I, I got a dog on the tank, you know, I get a lot of thumbs up and, you know, a lot of fun back and forth. <laughs> 
you know, people that I probably wouldn't normally. I mean, in a car, absolutely not. We're all, in a car, you're in, off in your own little world. On a bike, you're out in the world. You know, it's not, it's it's not confined. And I notice because I've been driving a car, and I haven't for years. And I notice how easy it is to just be in that little space, <laughs> and and cut out everything around. You know, so. So on a motorcycle, you're just there. You're, it's life in full, I guess. <laughs> and if I find a town and I really like it, I'll stay a while. But I do a lot of riding. Um, this year, I probably put 25,000 miles. Mm, I'm trying to think if that's accurate. Probably 20,000 miles in 10 months. I did a lot of riding, but I had been off the road for two years, so I needed to do a lot of riding. You know how it is, like if you don't, if, like if, if, if you don't, if I don't ride my motorcycle for a while, if I don't go on trips for a while, which I'm not for the next few months, when I get on that thing and head out of town, like I'm like riding hard and, I, and putting in long days because I just need it. <laughs> I need that, you know, I, I see why people who, like weekend riders and stuff, they ride hard around here. I don't go too on too many rides with people because I don't want to ride that hard just riding around the mountains, but because um, I want to do a little zen. But when I'm leaving, I'm riding hard until I get that release of um, that's all pent up from <laughs> being in one place for very long and not having the access to um, the road, you know, like to that degree so then I slow down but this year I think I, I needed a lot I, a lot of writing so I just went I wanted to see Montana oh my god if Montana is for anybody who wants some good writing Montana is some of the best writing so beautiful Montana southern Utah the Rockies so beautiful you know, there's nothing like that sky, Montana sky, and the rolling hills and the and the water. There's so many rivers. My my kids kind of think that my kids are actually really proud of me, and so are my parents. My parents are still here, and um, at first they were a little, you know, kind of weird about it. But then they saw like. I think they saw their mom blossom and be fulfilled. And they, they're really proud of me. They like brag about me. My friends brag about me. I'm like, ah, you know, but, um, I think people think it's cool for one. How many people get to live their life and live their dream? Like take everything else out because for some people living on a motorcycle, isn't their dream. But take all that out and how many people actually live their dream, you know? And so to, so that's a big deal. And then the motorcycle is just the icing on the cake. It just makes it, it just makes it like beyond. So my kids are, they worry and, and I get to visit them because they're all over the country and I get to go visit and they pay for massages. I would give them to them free, but they pay me because they want to support my lifestyle. I prefer wilderness. 
my dog's name is Tulane for a reason <laughs> because we do a lot of Tulane highways and I prefer I prefer wilderness you know to or at least the feeling of I mean it could be sparsely populated too that's fine um, if you find a good spot in a city that's actually pretty good you know, because the city offers a lot. You know, if you're gonna stay somewhere, the city offers a lot, you know, showers and, you know, it's easier to access some of the other things. And sometimes I can't buy truck stops, you know, get a shower and can't buy a truck stop and go to bed, you know? So it's just, and it's all good. I gotta tell you, it's all good. When I'm pitching my tent, like Tulane's favorite part is once I spread the tarp, I put a tarp under the tent. Once I spread that tarp, he is like happy puppy heaven. I want my dream bike since um, I've never ridden one. I've ridden Harleys before, but never this one. It's an FXR and um, they don't make it anymore. I've been wanting one for like 10 years since I first got introduced to these, to the motorcycle world. And um, they're getting harder to get, so we'll see what happens. And so, so here's my choice. Here's, I've got this choice. I can get an older Harley because I worked on my Honda. I had a Honda and I worked on it myself. And, but now I have, um, somebody bought me this Suzuki Boulevard and it's got fuel injection and it's got computers and it's, and it stumps me and it scares me. And it's getting a high high in the miles, and it's got those check engine lights on, and you know stuff is going on with it. So here's my choice: I'm going to try and save like five grand, if because I'm camping in somebody's backyard and I don't have rent, I can push away a lot of money. It just depends how many massages I can get, um, and the holidays are coming up, so hopefully. But anyway, so I can get like a fairly new V Star, and ride that till it's you know for a few years quite a few years probably till it gets high mileage or I can get my dream bike. So that's my decision. So I haven't, I have the dream bike, which is a Harley Davidson FXR and you know, it kind of fits with motorcycle rallies and, and all that, or, um, a bigger, I need a bigger bike. The one I have is 800 cc's. It's just not big enough anymore. And so I can get a bigger V star. I'm not sure. have a theory of why people who um, live from their heart or openly talk more openly about their humanity um, and I think I think it's the pressure I think society puts so much pressure on us to be a certain way like that um, when we're living by the rules of society then we we're living inside of that pressure and so we're not allowed to be vulnerable. Um, so I don't live in, I live in society I'm a part of, I'm very much a part of, but I don't live by the same rules. So, um, so my lifestyle affords me time on my motorcycle, self-reflection, like, oh shit, like that was really stupid that's fearful why am I afraid of that you know it, it allows me the time also to be able to self-reflect and um 
And I just want to be open because it gives people permission to be that way. Some people try to fix me because they think I'm broken, you know, and I've learned that that's okay too. That's just what they do. And um, everybody is just, we all who we are. If I can set an example of it's okay to be who we are, then however my new, my little contribution might be, it's still a little contribution in my world. It's huge, you know? So it's, um, and I just don't live by the same rules and I don't, I don't want to, it's, I'm used to open space. I'm used to the woods. I'm used to open roads. I'm not used to being confined into some idea of what is supposed to be. I think it's just that, you know, it's you get used to the open space, you get used to nature where there's no pressure. There's no pressure to be anything but what you are right now. There's a lot of reasons to um, be open in, in vulnerable. And I'm not totally 100% vulnerable, like, you know, I mean, I'm open about my stuff, but like the heart, <laughs> you know, like love and stuff like that is not as, um, it doesn't come as, as easily as being open about my humanity. Let me, let me just ponder where my bike's going to take me next. It's going to take me to the sunrise. It'll take me towards the warmth, towards the sun. Um, it'll take me through the cold mountains, probably, that time of year. And um, new sights, new sounds, new smells, new people, old people, old friends, catching up, stories, you know. It will, um, spiritually, I don't know, you know, spiritually, I'll, fi I'll figure that out when I'm there. So I just think it's going to take me to a more expanded, developed human being um, that hope hopefully will touch the lives of others, body, mind, and spirit at some level. Yeah. And that was Michelle Hope, motorcyclist, adventurer, and one who lives on the road. You can find out more about Michelle by dropping by our website and checking the show notes. We've got a few things in there and some photographs, as well as a link to her website. We have a special deal for you today from Aerostitch, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. And that's just for being an Adventure Rider Radio listener. But first, I got to tell you, I'm holding the catalog in my hand. This is the Aerostitch catalog. Now, I've, I've told you about this before on this show. Um, Aerostitch is one of our show sponsors, and we're really pleased to be associated with Aerostitch because they are true motorcyclists, and they certainly uh, get into motorcycle gear in their catalog because this catalog... I'm not kidding. It's got to be, I'm just checking to see how many pages it is. It's like uh, uh, 200, over 250 pages of motorcycle gear. So it's one of those things that you just want to have in your hand to flip through. So you, you can get the catalog for free, drop by their website. But when you drop by their website, 
here's what I want you to do. You must go through this special URL. This special URL tells Aerostitch that they're getting their customers through Adventure Rider Radio, which clearly will make a big difference for us here at Adventure Rider Radio. So you go to aerostitch.com and you just put forward slash ARR. Now the ARR obviously stands for Adventure Rider Radio. So anytime you're going to Aerostitch, make sure you put in that forward slash ARR. And here is the deal. Okay, so if you do that, just for doing that, just letting Aerostitch know that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, you're going to get a one-time 10% discount on your first purchase. That's 10%. That's a good chunk of money um, when you're looking to buy a, a riding suit or anything for that matter, but certainly as you get up into the higher price items, or free shipping on your next order for existing customers. So make sure you put in that forward slash ARR after the web address of aerostitch.com. So it's aerostitch.com forward slash ARR. And I'm going to tell you one of the reasons that what I wanted to mention here today was one of the reasons that I, I really want you to get this catalog. For instance, the um, they've got a coat called the Darien, which I think is really cool. It's, it's definitely an adventure rider's jacket. It's something that you'll you'll want to look at. It's well made. It's got all the pockets. Check it out. Look, you look at it. You get their catalog and look at it. But what, the interesting thing that I want to point out to you is that they've got all kinds of little tidbits in their catalog. So it's more than just a catalog with a bunch of products in it. They've got information in here as well. So here they've got a page that says about the name Darien. Now, if you're not familiar with the Darien Gap, it's a section of highway that's sort of missing or not completed um, of the Pan-American Highway, which would connect everything from uh, Alaska right on down to the southern tip of South America. And it's a formidable spot where you have to find a way to get your bike around. Well, there have been people that have taken their motorcycle through the gap through a couple of different means. And they've done a write-up here to tell you about it and uh, who has tried it and what motorcycle they were riding and, and and what they did. It's just really neat. You know, it's one of those nuggets of information. The whole catalog is filled with this sort of thing. You go through from one page to another and you'll find little chunks of information there. Um, you'll find chunks of, of information about the history of Aerostitch, which is, is really neat when you can read about the evolution of a jacket, you know, like their R3 uh, Roadcrafter jackets, which, by the way, I'll, I'll just throw this in there too. I've said it before, but that Roadcrafter jacket, they've got a guarantee if you buy their, their one-piece uh, riding suit and go to their website to check out the full details, but their one-piece riding suit, you try it for 30 days and they're saying if you don't ride more than what you have been riding, then you can return it and get your money back just like that. And, and like I say, every time that tells you something about a company, what they're telling you is you're going to ride more. That says something about the quality of a product. Um, there's so many things in here. There's so many things in the catalog. And I love Aerostitch gear. I'll tell you, the one thing that, that I've had uh, for a, quite a while now is the Aerostitch tank panniers. And I really think that you should spread the weight out on the motorcycle rather than putting it all at the back. Personally, I don't like that at all. It takes a lot of weight off your front end. It's not a good weight distribution. The subframe in the back doesn't handle the weight well. Well, they sell these Aerostitch tank panniers, which are a fabric pannier, um, box pannier, and um, they're reinforced with a, a plastic liner inside, very heavy material on them, and they've got these gorgeous wide straps that go across your tank with uh, a lot of um, sort of like a furry thing underneath, and they're adjustable with Velcro. I've had them on my bike for a number of years now. I've dropped the bike countless countless times on them. They still look like they're new or almost new. Fabulous setups. And, and they're they're supposed to be water resistant, but but they seem to be well more than that for me. I line them with a bag just to, to be sure, but rarely does the bag ever get wet on the inside. But just really high quality gear. Um, and that seems to me what Aerostitch is about. So check them out at aerostitch.com forward slash ARR. Don't forget the ARR. That's very, very important. Go to their website, Order their catalog. Get their free catalog. Let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio.
Oh, and if you've already ordered your catalog, you know, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now about ordering your free catalog from Merrill Stitch. If you've already done that, drop by their website, hit them an email, send them a, a, a note, just letting them know that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, and that's why you got their catalog. So remember, aerostitch.com forward slash ARR. Well, the end of the year is not quite here yet, and um, I just want to give you a heads up. You still have time to order. I'm not sure if you're going to get it in time, but you still have time to to get Graham Field's cool pannier box set. I don't know how many he's going to have. I don't know how many, how long he's going to do this for, but I, as I told you about it last week, this pannier is absolutely amazing. It is so lifelike. It's incredible, and um, it's almost 3D when you look at it, so you got to check out the photographs on our website. Um, it looks like it's a cardboard box, and it holds his three books. So you're going to get three of his books, which are three great reads. Um, and I think he has some stickers and some other things in it. But the thing that I like, if I could order the box alone, I think I'd order the box. <laughs> but that's because I already have Graham's books. So, I mean, I, I would just get, a, I might even get a couple of those boxes. But and they make great they make great book ends. That's what I was thinking. You could put them right on your bookshelf. And, and in any case, the big thing is you want is three books, but what a cool box. I mean, this is like, I, I've said it before and I, and I keep saying it to everybody. It's an original thing. And how often do you find an original thing? Very cool. So anyway, Graham's a good friend of the show here at Adventure Rider Radio. So please drop by his website, grahamfield.co.uk and grab one of these amazing pannier box sets. Well, if you've ever considered riding in South America, in particular Peru, which is supposed to be spectacular, I remember having Alberto Lara and Naomi Tweddle on here talking about that. And um, I mean, they could go on forever, but they, they're, they're totally enamored with the area and the photography uh, that they do in particular of the area it just shows incredible landscapes, amazing riding. So if you ever considered this, we may have a good option for you. Coming up next, we're going to speak with a guy who, who runs a, a mission, really. He's doing it to raise funds to help the, the needy in his area in Peru and he runs motorcycle trips and they're more of a dual sport motorcycle trip but we were tipped off from one of our listeners about it and they said they had an amazing time so then we contacted them for the interview. It sounds really neat so if you want to go to Peru and you don't want all the hassle of taking your own bike and gear this may be the option. Stick around. Well, my name is Scott England, and uh, I grew up in Orville, California in the U.S., and uh, spent most of my life there, um, went off to college to Idaho, and uh, the other half of my life was there, and then I moved to Peru about seven years ago. I came to Peru as a, uh, as a volunteer missionary with my family, and uh, we came down to do a, a church project down in Arequipa, Peru. and. That eventually led to what I'm doing now. Moto Mission Peru is a is a dream of mine. While we were missionaries in Arequipa on our first assignment, first project, um, we were coming to the end of that project. And as I, I had put the bikes away, I I had uh, we'd sold everything uh, to move to Peru, uh, bikes included. And uh, when we got to Arequipa, Peru, I realized that man, this place is perfect for dirt biking. And um, my entrepreneurial brain started kicking in. And uh, at one point I thought, man, there's got to be a way that I can start a business where I can ride motorcycles, where I can make enough money and be able to give that money away, like, like some, kind of, some kind of mission. And uh, I, that, that's, when, that's when the birth of Moto Mission kind of came, came about in my head. 
And um, shortly thereafter, I started putting business ideas, business plans together, crunching numbers, you know, looking at different markets and how to make it work and uh, came up with a business plan. And uh, a few years later, uh, we we ended up um, planting the seed and making it work. The whole mission, the, the reason we, we call it Moto Mission, is 100% of the profits are going back into the community. Um, as a business, obviously you have costs, you've got um, you've got expenses and so forth. And so whatever's left, all the profit, uh, that's the hundred percent of that goes back into the community. And so when when a customer when a customer pays for a you know pays for a tour or whatever, we we cover all those costs, the gas, the food, the hotels, and so forth. And whatever's left, uh, we 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 have some some connections with different um, social projects here in town, mainly mainly one. But um, our goal is to develop a funding source so that that project will continue indefinitely into the future. And so right now, the current the current way we have it set up are before Moto Mission, I had another business that was um, set up in the same way. And it was a it was a small cafe in the heart of Cusco, um, kind of a tourist cafe. And uh, we were given 100 percent of the profits from that to the Altivas Canis Children's Project so that they could work and have have enough funds to, to, to manage on a monthly basis. Well, we have we have since passed that cafe on to another missionary couple that is doing that is continuing that same mission. They're continuing to pay the project on a monthly basis. Right now, Moto Mission is stockpiling the profits and the proceeds from the from the tours. And we are developing an endowment fund that will eventually work the cafe out of that donation situation. So as the as the as the endowment fills up, once we get to a point where we can pull out the interest every month to cover what the cafe is paying to the project, at that point, then the project is then, then it's funded. Okay. And at that point, we will stop the funding from the cafe and they can go take Take on another project, but Moto Mission will will take on the the monthly um, the monthly burden of of the project at that point. But we won't need to touch the capital. It'll just be it'll just be the interest, and that's that's how it, that's how we're setting up our our mission. I'll just explain the project. Basically, every day um, after school, uh, there's a there's a handful of kids, anywhere from about 26 to, to 28 kids. It's the same kids every day, and they're 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 all they're children of single moms. And so what happens is these kids go to school in the morning. After school, they come to the project. Um, while they're at the project, they get their homework done. They get fed a really good healthy meal. And they also burn out some some energy uh, in a good, healthy environment. And what that allows the moms to do, that allows the moms to get their kids off to school in the morning, and that allows the moms to work an entire day. And so what happens is the moms benefit because now you know these single moms have a have a pretty tough. I don't think anywhere in the world it's easy to be a single mom, but in this particular instance, it's it's really difficult in Peru if you've got no work but you have to take care of your kids. So you can't work because you got to take care of your kids. And that the project, the Altivas Canis Children's Project, removes that burden from these single moms. It's a really simple project. Well, we are a a 
basically a full service hard enduro tour operator. And if somebody wants to to come to Peru and explore the Andes, um, it's, it's, it's an exotic, crazy place to ride. The mountains are enormous. And we put you on a, on a, on a high quality, state of the art, you know, late model, professional dirt bike and uh, it's 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 hard enduro ready we've got all the equipment all the gear most customers uh, that are here for 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 it, like a multi-day kind of ride they usually bring their own their own equipment but uh, but we have everything available uh, anything from helmets to goop to 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 boots, to goggles, to pants and jerseys, to protection, you know, elbow protection and shoulder protection, everything, everything you could imagine. Uh, we have it all and, uh, small private tours. So if somebody wants to go on a, on a, on a, on a, a couple of, but grab a couple of buddies together and go for a five day adventure through the Andes of Peru, um, I'm the guy to call. The other thing is, um, I speak Spanish, so getting around, um, you know, it, you've got, you've got cultural issues, you've got language issues, you've got, um, just geography issues and having, having a guide, I'm the guide, um, we're, we're a small operation and, um, I can speak English to our customers or Spanish to our customers as well as communicate with the locals. If, you know, we get lost or need something, um, we can definitely, definitely use the, the, the bilingual skills as, as much as we, as much as we need. These mountains are big. Uh, for example, in about 12 minutes, I can go from where I live. My house is at about 11,000 feet, uh, which is what, 30, 3,250 meters. And I can go up to 4,000 meters, up 14,000 plus feet in just within just a few minutes, 15 minutes at, at the most. And so our hills are huge. Uh, the Andes Mountains, uh, the, the the low valleys drop down to you know to, to nothing, and the high the high peaks go up to 20, 21 to twenty two thousand feet. And um, usually there, I mean, there's people scattered all over the Andes. They live all over the Andes, and a lot of them don't have roads. They they walk, and so almost all of the the little communities that are out there, um, they have walking paths that have been walked on for for hundreds of years. And um, so many of those are make just excellent single track routes that um, we're not really destroying anything. You're staying on existing trails, but it takes you through some of the most incredible places in the world. Um, the the type of riding that we that we do is is whatever the customer wants. Uh, I've got everything from from basic dirt road all the way up to the gnarliest hardest enduro. Um, where you're literally, you know, toe strapping, pulling, you know, three guys pulling a bike up a rocky cliff, um, anything and everything in between of that. Um, it, it's just an, it's just an experience to ride in these mountains. There's, I've, I've ridden in some really great places and, uh, nothing so exotic and, and as fun and as free as, as this, um, as far as Cusco goes, we live in a city of 600,000, um, I would say, I would say, out of the entire motorcycle community, there's probably 60 or 70 dirt bikers in this town, and there's a, just a handful of us that are that are enduro riders. Most of the riders that are here are, are track riders, and so you never see another motorcyclist. Uh, you'll never you'll never see another motorcycle track. You'll we don't have enough traffic to even cause any environmental damage because there's just there's so much space and so many just hundreds and hundreds of options. 
to get to Cusco or anywhere in Peru, you, you generally have to go through Lima, the capital. And then from Lima, you take about an hour and 10 minute flight, hour and 20 minute flight to Cusco. Airport code is CUZ. And uh, this is the place where people fly into to get to Machu Picchu, one of the seven wonders of the world. Machu Picchu is a couple hours of uh, traveling uh, from, from the city of Cusco, but um, just, just a beautiful, incredible place. And that was Scott England from Moto Mission in Peru. And you can find out more about Moto Mission and find a link to their website by dropping by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com, and check out the show notes for this episode. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter, too, at maxbmw.com. That's M-A-X-B-M-W.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, whether you're on the road or off the road, for that matter, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system, and it can inflate a flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, and get this, it has a lifetime warranty, which is brand new. Best Rest also makes tire changing and tire repair kits that are small enough to fit in your saddlebag, and the crew at Best Rest are adventure riders themselves. They know what you need when you're exploring the world visit them at cyclepump.com that's cyclepump.com well that about wraps up another episode of adventure rider radio we hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it now if it's possible in your area if it's possible if you're not living in an area that's completely frozen in which it seems like most parts of the country are not all that frozen, at least for Canada anyway. So if that's the case, it's time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. Special thanks to our co-producer, Elizabeth Martin, and our advertisers, which is Max BMW, Best Rest Products, and Aerostitch. And make sure when you're dropping by any one of our advertisers' website, find a way to let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Let them know that it's working for them. And that keeps Adventure Rider Radio going. Don't forget to drop by our website, send us your show comments and suggestions, like us on Facebook, connect with us on Twitter, and all the other places that are social media. And you can always drop by iTunes and give us a rating on there. Let iTunes know what you think of the show. Remember, you can drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com. You can download all the past episodes for free. You can also see all the show notes in there. There's a lot of information on there, and we're adding more to the website all the time. We've got some videos posted on there to help you with tire changing. There's all kinds of things. So drop by the website. And don't forget, we've got stickers and T-shirts available. So if you want to get a sticker, a really cool Adventure Rider Radio sticker, drop by the website, and you can get those now. There's two different versions of them. There's the round logo and the oval logo, and both of them look really cool on the bike. you, you got to get one of those, stick it on your bike, and then send us a photograph. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. See you next week. This is Doris Wiedemann, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs> <laughs>